Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here with a film study short today with an old friend of the show, Eric Eager used to be a PFF. He now works for Sumer Sports in a role I'm going to let him tell you about because it sounds incredibly interesting. Eric, how are you doing? And this is, it has been a long time. Um, I, thank you for having me on. I, yeah, Sumer has been a, a lot of fun. We're trying to build tools for optimization for rosters uh, in both the team side and as well as the, the fantasy and gaming side. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I've gotten to work with some incredibly talented people. Um, I know you've had like Tay Seth on the on the sure. show before, and he's he's one of uh, our data scientists, incredibly uh, talented and and fun to work with. And so, yeah, it's been a joy, and and honestly, it's been a lot of fun just to kind of explore different notions of team building um, and try to try to codify them in a way that is uh, robust. So, Eric, uh, PhD in applied math, correct? That's right. And and uh, very much responsible for building building PFF's intern program, and hiring some absolute studs over there. Arjun Menon is another guy who comes to mind. Is a, I have that name correct, don't I? Yeah, Arjun, uh, Tay Seth, both of them were from the University of Michigan. Arjun got a uh, an internship this summer with the Jets. We uh, did really well there. Zach Drapkin, who uh, formerly the Wharton School is currently a full-time guy with the Eagles. And then uh, Haley English, she's uh, working with the Detroit Lions as an intern right now. Uh, and then Judah Fortgang, uh, who is a very accomplished sports better now, works for a company called SIG uh, and, and is setting markets there. So I, I've got, I've been incredibly blessed to uh, to be able to help uh, people who only needed a chance in the industry and and to show us what they could do. And and, and they were, uh, they blessed me back with, with a fantastic work and uh, it, it's been great. Well, I can say from the ones I've met of, of that fantastic selection of talent too, which is no small feat when, when you're when you're going looking for interns. So, great job, Eric. I, uh, let's talk a little bit. And I, I wanted to go back to something I saw that was just uh, piqued my interest. And in, and a lot of your stuff is it has kind of an edge to it. I'm sure you're you're kind of you're kind of going for this, but uh, it was talking about the Cardinals potentially drafting two quarterbacks in the first round in the coming draft, where they may have as many as three first round picks. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this goes back and, you know, you and I are, you know, you and I have a long history of like watching football and understanding the league. And like, I go back to like 1989, right, where Dallas, you know, and, and we might see this in New England, for example, Tom Landry, one of the best coaches in the history of the NFL, Jerry Jones buys the franchise. Um, let's let's Landry go after a three and 13 season in 1988. That roster really has like no talent other than Herschel Walker and you know, if you squinted, uh, Michael Irvin, Nate Newton, all those guys who ended up being good, but weren't good at the time. And, you know, much like this, you know, the Cardinals, for example, and some other teams, um, you know, we're starting over. And it's incredibly hard to start over in the NFL uh, because, as the Bears have have shown, you know, you can get a ton of draft picks. But it's it's because a lot of these premium positions and things like that, they take 
forever to materialize. You you have all these draft picks, but they don't always turn out to be what you expect when you need them to. Um, and, and you know, places like tackle, um, even edge is a position where I think that there's a bigger learning curve than a lot of people uh, will want to admit, even though the position is is efficient from an evaluation standpoint. Um, the, the Cowboys back in 1989 took Troy Aikman with the first pick. Um, but then in you know a couple months later, took Steve Walsh, who had played at Miami for Jimmy Johnson. They took him with the pick with with the first round pick in the supplemental draft. They were one in 15 in 1989. So that pick ended up being the first overall pick in the 1990 draft. And so they had you know, Aikman and Walsh, and I think in hindsight, it's clear who is better. But at the time, it wasn't necessarily clear who was better. First, you know, draft picks back then didn't play early on, right? Guys like Brett Favre sat for a year for the Falcons. Um, you know, it was it was really an anomaly when Rick Meyer, Andrew Bledsoe both played a lot in their first years, being the one, first and second pick in 1993. So there, the and and those high draft picks also cost a lot of money because we didn't have the rookie wage scale yep. back then. So there were all these competing factors. And so Dallas goes ahead and they trade Herschel Walker. They get a ton of, of picks and, and, and yet, and they get Emmett Smith, they get Darren, uh, Darren uh, Smith, they get um, uh, Darren Woodson, I'm sorry. And they get all these players and they kind of spread it out. They end up winning Super Bowls in 92, 93, 95. And I still think that one of the biggest things that they did that was actually uh, very sharp was, you know, they had Steve Walsh. They played him. He showed enough in five starts in 1989. He got their only win. That when the when the Saints were dealing with a holdout to Bobby Hebert, their their longstanding franchise quarterback, they were able to get a first and a third one year and a second the following year for Steve Walsh as a backup. And and you know, to me, we look around the league, right? Aaron Rodgers tears his Achilles. The Jets are kind of stuck with Zach Wilson. Um, you know, you look at places like Denver where you're not quite sure what you're able to do with Russell Wilson, so on and so forth. And you also look at the first picks and, you know, even going back, like in 2021, Trevor Lawrence played all the games, but Justin Fields didn't play all the games. He was hurt mm-hmm. some. Uh, Zach Wilson was hurt some. Mac Jones played all the games. Uh, last year, he didn't. This year, you've had injuries, of course, to, you know, Bryce Young's missed a game. Anthony Richardson is going to miss multiple games. When you have a situation like that where you're rebuilding and you're building up a young quarterback, the the best hedge is when that guy gets hurt, because it is a win, to have a young quarterback that you can showcase for the rest of the league and spread out your your talent across multiple years of drafting. And so, you know, the Cardinals okay. are very let me, let me unpack just a second here on this, because I really want really want to ask a question here is the Walsh pick ended up being the first overall. So that has tremendous value. And whether whether or not you believe in all the peaking that exists in JJ, there's still peaking in all systems towards that number one pick being of a lot more value. It, would it really be fair to say that the Cowboys realized all the value, even getting a one, a two and a three in exchange for that? I don't know what the Saints gave up. In, in terms of their position the first round, which is going to be the most important thing. But, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a good example of rolling value and a good example of resetting their draft. Is it really a good example of retaining most of that value? Well, I think if you, if you use the if – you, if you account for the likelihood that Walsh could have been their franchise quarterback, I think you do. So, okay. you know, 
the first of all, and I actually have to look at the Saints in 1990 were eight and eight. They made the playoffs. Actually, it's funny because in 1990 they made the playoffs because Troy Aikman got injured and Steve Walsh wasn't there to back him up. And and the Cowboys lost their last two games and the Saints won a game with Steve Walsh. And so they they got in the playoffs, but they were picking kind of in the middle of the draft. And to your point, like the depending upon which draft curve you use, that first pick is worth more. It can be worth more than the 16th pick. And let's, or at the time I had been 14 or 15 because there are only 28 teams. And then the second and a third, but you also have that nugget of probability that Steve Walsh could have been something for the Cowboys. And by 1990, you, you allowed yourself the opportunity to think about Troy Aikman with a clear mind. And, and, and I think that that is actually the biggest part of it, which is, you know, if you are pot committed to Zach Wilson, if you're pot committed to Justin Fields, so, so on and so forth, you're not allowed to really evaluate him with the clear mind that you would be if you had an actual second option. And, and so I, that, it's a good question. I have to go back and look. I do think, though, that given that nugget of likelihood that that Walsh could have been a real quarterback and you were allowed to evaluate Troy Aikman, who ended up being you know Super Bowl MVP and win three rings, you were allowed to evaluate him with the open mind that comes with having a legitimate second option. I think it was I think it ended up being worth it. Um, especially if you go into the year be, when you take Walsh at, in, 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 you know, uh, June of 1989, you don't know that that ends up being the first pick until you lose all your games. Well, that's, that's, you know, that's a legitimate point. I, I give you one more that's on the side of you want to, you want to draft the guy and then trade him is, is that the first overall pick, if the Cowboys had had him when the pick came around is not worth as much in that era of highly peaked rookie salaries. Now it got worse in the Jamarcus Russell era, uh, where they just people would yeah. rather not have the pick at all. But it was it was still pretty bad in the in the early nineties. Well, and to your point, the first overall pick isn't worth as much. It, like traditional in a traditional sense, if you have the first overall pick and you have a quarterback, it's not worth as much. Other than if you were to leverage it in a trade, which we know Jimmy Johnson traded more than any other franchise combined. Uh, during that time. So he probably would have ransomed that pick. But in, in in the truest sense, like that number one pick isn't worth as much to a team that has a quarterback because that's really where you, when you look at the spikiness, like Miles Garrett's a fantastic player, but he's never going to accumulate as much value as a quarterback is going to. And so, again, this is one of those where you, you're you sort of able to spread it out a little bit um, and, and realize that a little bit later. And, and that's when I think about the Cardinals. I think about, look, the Cardinals are multiple premium position players away mm-hmm. from being pretty, being good. And much like the Bears, um, when they were in a position with the number one pick earlier this offseason, you know, you it, it's really difficult to build just through the draft. And it's almost impossible because the Bears had all this cap space, which might not be a, a, the actual thing for the Cardinals because of all the money in Murray's contract. But it's imp- it is impossible to build through free agency like you, you cannot access true tried and true talent at t- left tackle wide receiver mm-hmm. cornerback um edge defender actually is somewhat like where you can get lower to your guys and especially like i know you co- cover the ravens like yep. you can get some decent players there but if you are truly rebuilding from scratch it is actually pretty hard to do so without trading for a premium position player who is a veteran already like DJ Moore or who I wanted the Bears to trade for was Brian Burns, the defensive end from the, the Panthers. I thought that that because when you have money to spend, you can't you're going to go out and do what the Bears did, which is spend money on linebackers and spend money on guards 
And, and that you're just not getting good return there. Uh, but at the same time, if you're going to draft tackles and draft wide receivers and draft corners, those players are also going to take longer to to mature. And you just don't, never know because of the hit rates, whether they will. And so I think taking a quarterback and kind of using that asset, letting it mature over a year or two, and then trading it, trading that asset, trading the player um, for possibly premium position players or something like that, to me, is a better way of going about team building when you're starting from scratch. Okay, so that, I, I think this is a great point, and and the Ravens certainly understand. Ravens fans certainly understand the notion of a heaped draft, like they had in 2018. They got a ton of talent in one draft, and it all came came due at the same time. The Ravens actually were very sharp about unwinding that draft with a trade of Hayden Hurst and a trade of Orlando Brown. There's another one in there too. Trade of Kenny Young, you know, to 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 get mm-hmm. Marcus Peters. So they did some good unwinding of of that draft as they went along the line. They still managed to lose Zach Sealer, uh, who ended up being a hell of a player. Uh, I, I guess what I want to what I want to ask you is how did you differentiate between the having Tom Brady and drafting like a Jimmy Garoppolo with a second round pick as a way to um, farm for additional quarterback tradable value? when you have no intention of ever letting your franchise quarterback go. Matt Castle yeah, that's made the same good, Yeah, that's a good point. I have you know, one of my friends who who works in the league, you know, when, when we talk about Jalen Hurts, I talk about Jalen. So Jalen Hurts is the good example, right? Because Jalen Hurts is taken in the second round. In theory, you have an established quarterback, but you're not 100% on him, clearly. And when, when we were talking about Jalen Hurts, I'm like, oh, that was a great draft pick. And he goes, well, in hindsight, though, wouldn't you rather have just taken it? Like, if how how valuable is that player? And and I think Mike Sando did this analysis. When you look at like the fifth year option hit rates after about pick twenty, you you almost there's almost maybe more value to take Hertz in that back half of the first round than it is to take him in the second round because that fifth year option on that player oh, sure. just gives you gives you that ability. And I think the fifth year option is a little bit overrated for the guy that you want to be the starter. But I think it's actually fine. I think it's actually properly rated for the player that you're going to try to use as an asset, um, uh, you know, like a Jordan Love, like a, like a Jalen Hurts, because, you know, you ultimately, the, the clock doesn't tick. I always look back at like the Aaron. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Rodgers thing, and a lot of Packers fans really want to compare Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love because, you know, the obvious taking three years to sit on the bench. But when Aaron Rodgers signed his initial contract, it was a five-year, $7 million deal where the fifth year was not an option for the player or the team. And so... And it wasn't expensive. Like nowadays, you know, first round picks options are not cheap anymore. And especially if the guy plays at all, 
it's and has some success. It's not expensive. And so with Rodgers, they had that they had really two years of cheap control. So if he blew up in year four when he first started, and this is what happened, you can give him a modest middle-class quarterback contract. And now you have the, the league as your oyster, right? Because that's really, if you can get a quarterback who's good on a modest deal, you you have the league, you know, kind of, you're holding, you're holding good cards. In the case of Love, it was sort of like, it was kind of this in-between deal that kind of still puts them in limbo, and if he blows up this year, you're giving him the real quarterback contract, the Daniel Jones deal that no one wants to give out anymore. Mm-hmm. And if he struggles, you've wasted essentially that year on, on something you didn't, you know, you, you found out things, of course, but you, you're wasting a year of not drafting another guy or something like that. And so it is really this weird situation where I do think for the purposes of the Cardinals, for example, if you were to go, you know, let's say let's say they luck out and they get the first and second pick. I, I think C.J. Stroud is actually too good yep. to be bad enough for to get them the second pick. But let's assume you have a pick that other people covet and you're at one, two. You take Caleb Williams at one. You trade the second pick for maybe the 10th pick. You get a, a first round pick in the following year. You take a tackle, wide receiver, corner, edge, some position there. And then Kyler Murray nets you the 25th pick and some other stuff, including money from the Murray contract coming back to you. I think that that 25th pick with the fifth year option, with the youth, with the scarcity at the position that we've all seen this year, I think that 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 if that player is a quarterback, he a in all likelihood is going to play, and he's going to show some team some potential. Um, and b he you know he he's a hedge against the first overall pick not working out, which we know it, it has a real possibility of happening. Okay, so it's a, but a, a lot of the strategy really depends on your first overall pick not being an iron man who kind of never leaves the field because otherwise you degrade the value in a certain sense of your 25th overall pick because the other, the rest of the league sees that he has no value to you and they also are are hesitant to pull the trigger on a trade for a guy that they haven't had showcased to them yes but we almost yeah agreed i also think that there's a part of in a 17 game schedule there's value in being able to not andrew luck the guy right where okay. Andrew Luck played a bunch of games where he shouldn't have played. And, and, you know, obviously his career came short. Like Lamar Jackson, of course, has had his, his bouts with injury where there's some games where you're wondering, should he play? Should he not? I think having that option also allows you to make sure that your quarterback is evaluated when he's healthy and not necessarily having to run him out there and, and do it. Like I remember, yeah, it's, it helped. It gives you some optionality there, but then, you're right. It does hinge on the fact that that quarterback might not play a ton. I'll I'll say though, if if that quarterback plays every game at a level where you have no doubts about you you have no impetus to play the other guy, then you've won, right? And so that you know if you if you draft a quarterback at first overall and he turns out to be Trevor Lawrence, then every other one of your draft picks is a rounding error to your process, right? right and true. we know yeah. like th- there are there are obvious uh, you know there are obvious caveats to that of course but if you if so in that case yes it is kind of a wasted asset but in the case that the guy plays as the first overall pick to that degree it's not going to matter as much to your to your cause okay so hopefully you make the right choice on which guy you trade uh how do you, you how do you relativize the value then of what I would call the Belichick method, which I believe was usually to use a second round pick. And he had a long mm-hmm. sequence of resetting his second round picks year after year so that he had two every year, but he usually trade one and, and, you know, get a, a second and something mm-hmm. else. Uh, what do you, 
how do you relativize those two things in a, in a world where Brady probably is going to miss some games too, and you get Matt Castle on the field a little bit, you get Jimmy Garoppolo on the field a little bit? Yeah, it's a good question because Garoppolo was, I think, the one exception where they used a second on him. Brian Mallett, I think, was a third that they got a seventh back from Houston um, because he had never ended up playing. Kevin O'Connell was, I believe, a third-round pick. Now the, the head coach of the Vikings, Kevin O'Connell, never really worked out. I, I'm trying to remember. But I think that there is enough of a drop-off from pick 25 to pick 45 or pick 62 um, to where that first-round label is actually going to like appeal to the teams. Uh, I, I do think that there is a difference between how the league would view a Jordan Love versus how they would view a Kyle Trask or a Kellen Mond or somebody like that. I do think the drop-off is stark. But, yeah, it is a good question. I think Belichick was, you know, doing a good job of hedging his bets, and he did get a second back for Garoppolo for very little play. He had two starts for the Patriots that whole that entire time. Um, I, yeah, I think if you're not going to do the first-round thing, and most teams, look, don't have the luxury. I'm, I'm talking specifically about the Cardinals, who are going to have three first-rounders uh, in all likelihood unless they keep Kyler Murray. Um I, I do think if you have fewer than like if you only had two first rounders, let's say, I think that this uh, this uh, is less appealing for sure. I think in the case that you have three, it really does make sense because a the hit rate. So the bottom half of the first round, if you look at like the history of it, is generally speaking kind of a losers uh, you know losers range. And good on the the Ravens for having done a better job than most. But like that bottom half of the first round is like. The best players at non-premium positions, which are bad gambles, the safeties, linebackers, center. Uh, you know, uh, guard centers, uh, you know, tight ends, or they're like like the Chiefs with Felix Anazuke Uzama. They're like the fifth edge player, right? And like, you're not getting, even though you're getting a premium position player, you're not getting an elite player there. And so like that bottom half of the first round, it's like, okay, if I'm going to do that, where I'm going to take a guy with who has kind of a, I'm going to take guys with limited upside from a value perspective, or I'm going to take guys with limited upside from a, is he a good player perspective? I'm going to take the, the guy with the, the limited upside from, is he a good player perspective, but in a tremendous value from a, if he actually does hit, he's going to be worth $50 million okay. per year. And so that's kind of where I, I see it. I think in the case that you have two ones, it's, it becomes less appealing to me to take that second quarterback for sure. Let me, let me let me ask the other thing that would come naturally to the thing. If, if you're worried about a stack draft and you're worried about having talent stack, that's all going to come due at the same time. So you have a lot of bonds coming due in the same year, uh, effectively, mm-hmm. that you're going to have to pay off this principal at the same time. But wouldn't you be better off just trading the draft pick itself to reset and get value from it? Uh, and and, and how, how does it compare? Are you really are you really – you're really having to fall back on the notion that the Cardinals have to get the quarterback right. And so they can't miss on one of two guys is so critical to the strategy. Yeah. I think that the issue though, is that we haven't seen teams have the appetite for that final quarterback of late. Like if you, if you watch the the sport, you know, if you watch the, the lines, for example, if you watch the sports betting lines for the draft, if you bet under the number of quarterbacks in the first round, every single year, you're going to win all the years, except for, I think 2020, you actually pushed that number because it was four Um, every single year, even, even the Lamar Jackson year, the, the betting markets were five and a half quarterbacks. Like they were thinking that there was a chance that Mason Rudolph would make it into the first round. (laughs) Lamar Lamar's betting number was 16 and a half that year. That was his over under for pick 
position. And obviously we saw the Saints move up to 16 and like you could tell that I was betting on this draft. You could t- the Saints move up to 16 for Marcus Davenport and we all thought that that was Lamar. And yeah. and Lamar falls all the way to 32. The the league is kind of I don't know if wising up is maybe the right word in a sense of that pick has almost always been other than Bridgewater and other than Lamar a very bad quarterback. Um but you know, I, you know, the, the way that you win is you zig when other people are zagging. Like, I actually do not believe that those teams covet the Will Levises, the um, Malik Willises, right? Every quarterback that would have been a candidate there has been undervalued in the marketplace uh, right now. So if you wanted to trade that pick, I don't think you get the quarterback price for it. Okay, so 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 that's possible, and and that's what you'd have to look at is year after year. What are you getting for pick thirty one, thirty two? The Eagles made it be known that thirty two was available. They didn't really get a big premium from the Ravens the year that mm-hmm. they they drafted for us two twos. That was all they ended up getting. Yeah, that was a trade up. That was well, and the Ravens traded back when they took Hurst, and then up when they took Lamar. So yep. that was a positive if you look at those two picks in the aggregate. But they really didn't get yeah, they really didn't get taken for the 32, 30 second pick the way that some do. You know, for example, when you know uh, New England moved moved back and and the Chargers took Kenneth Murray, that was a much bigger surplus for. Uh, New England then then was uh, the the move up for and we know that I mean Eric DaCosta is a good GM uh, uh, and they have a very sharp analytics staff like they're never if even if they trade up it's almost never going to be at that big of a discount and in fact if you account for and this is where you know this is another interesting topic that I'm going to write about but like if you account for the fact that when a good team trades up it's generally speaking more successful than when a bad team does there is like when you look at the the, the draft curves there's 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 sampling bias in the fact that like when Thomas Dimitrov, my boss moves up and gets Julio Jones, like the sixth pick is actually going to be more valuable to a team like the Falcons than a team like the Browns, because the Browns are in at that sixth spot for a reason. The Falcons are, you know, are a better team. And so there, there is some like levels to like, I, I, I trust the public models, but I think that they're a little bit biased towards bad teams picking high and hence the top picks not being worth as much. And, and good teams picking low and those picks actually being worth less than what they should be worth. That's great. But so that's a, that's a reheaping argument. You're saying that the heaping on some of the public models is not enough. I, I have another that I'd like to ask you for, and then I'll let you go here in just a second. Um, the replacement level in a lot of the flatter models does not seem to properly be reflected. Like a subtraction of the replace, an arithmetic subtraction of the replacement level might really be appropriate because at the end of the draft, you 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 certainly have a lot of guys who might produce two AV career, and I, I still want the better metric than AV to judge these players. But if you start with AV, I mean AV of two is is nothing. It's you, you pick that up by playing special teams for a few years. Yeah, exactly. And and there are some models, like if you look at the way that the Vikings act with Quasi at Mensa or the Browns, where he came from with Andrew Barry, uh, even the Ravens, like they treat picks after pick five as like those picks have zero surplus value or worse. And I think that part of that is because of I think part of that is because of how the how the the modern analytics account for replacement players, to your point. Like if you give up three picks for one pick. It's not that simple, right? Because you have to, if you if you take on those three players, then you have to give up roster spots. If you vacate those two picks, you have to supplement them back. And generally speaking, it it, it depends. Again, I think that there are heterogeneities across team types that make some of those decisions less simple than than the public models will make them out to be. All right. 
Eric, always a pleasure to talk football with you. Very interesting thought experiment you're going through with the Arizona Cardinals here. Your writing, I find very fun. Tell people where they can find it online. Yeah, sumersports.com. We um, we just uh, debuted uh, a bunch of our new metrics. I think we have some cool offensive line stuff with offensive line uh, combinations. Uh, you know, we have stats pages, we have simulations and everything. And I write a Friday column called My Friday Thoughts, which um, you know comes out every Friday morning where I look at one thing I'm buying, one thing I'm selling, one thing I'm monitoring uh, in the league. And I try to I try to make it off the beaten path a little bit so that really smart people like you can uh, find it interesting. And it's different than everybody else, you know, that everybody else is trying to do. Right. Like everybody loves football. Um, and so I think, you know, we're all looking for people that think a little bit differently, I think, in this space, because, um, you know, it's an efficient market. So, you know, we, I, I'm just trying to think about the league a little bit different than everybody else. I, I probably look forward to conversations with you as many as much as with anybody else. I talk football with Eric because it's it's always something a little different. And that's that's what's really cool about it. Uh, other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. I'll get back to you very quickly. Eric, thanks again for joining me and taking the time out of your busy day. Ken, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.